Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false. Uh, Another translation will say, lift up his uh, soul to idols, and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. So who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can come close to God? Who can come into presence of the Almighty? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol. I don't know if you ever look at other Christians uh, and think that they're doing incredible things for God. Maybe you look at missionaries who are going to war-torn countries or uh, just difficult countries where you just couldn't imagine living. Maybe you look at workers in schools or prisons or hospitals, Christians who go into those environments on a regular basis and think, man, they're doing incredible things for God in those places. Maybe you look at couples who have adopted like 40 orphan children and you're like, man, how they're doing such incredible work for God. Maybe you look at leaders of huge influential megachurches or those on the front line of combating modern-day slavery or those living out their faith in the midst of war-torn or persecution countries and just think, wow, I just, I just live a normal life. I'm just a normal person. Uh, I, that, that stuff is incredible and those people are being so fruitful, but it just doesn't seem to be my experience of the Christian faith or Christian life. Maybe you think that your life is mundane in comparison. Uh, you're not speaking to thousands of people or suffering for your faith, but maybe just changing nappies, going to work, sending emails. That's what your day looks like. Oftentimes we think we're not fruitful and others seem like they are being really fruitful and that God is using them in amazing ways. But you think, but I'm just normal. But if we think fruitfulness is just for a few special individuals, then we've misunderstood the nature of fruitfulness. God says in John 15:16, I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. If you're a Christian this morning, God has chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit. This is something for all Christians, not just for those who we look at and think, man, they're incredible, they're the ones that are doing the work, they're the ones that are bearing the fruit. All Christians should be bearing fruit. Fruitfulness is the natural overflow of what happens when we put God first. It's what happens when we say, Jesus is Lord of my life. The greatest two commandments that Jesus gives are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and to love your neighbour as yourself. And if we put God first and others first, then fruit will be born out of our lives. Uh, Jesus talks about himself in the Bible as being the true vine and as the Christians as being like the branches of that vine. And it's not up to the branches whether or not they bear fruit. If they're connected into the vine, then they will bear fruit. Uh, That's the nature of those branches. But he gets to choose what kind of fruit that is. So Chris, when he was showing this Ashburnham, kind of compared somebody who brings like a few guavas to somebody who brings truckloads of watermelons or, or something like that, um, and saying, you, you, you know, you, you, might, you might be looking at other people thinking, man, look at their fruit, that looks so much tastier than mine, or so much more impressive. But actually, God has appointed each of us to bear fruit for him in our own way. So if fruitfulness is the natural result of living a normal Christian life in faithfulness to God, 
then what would stop us from bearing fruit? Unfaithfulness to God, which the Bible calls idolatry. And so we, we just read in that passage, in that passage uh, from the, uh, the Psalms passage that who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Well, we can because of what Jesus has done for us. We can come before God. But actually the fruit that we bear as Christians can be hampered by idols in our life, by things that would seek to distract us, take us away, uh, change our focus from Christ. An idol is something that would try to take the place in our lives that belongs to God. Um, If you're still in Psalms, turn to Psalm 135. I'm going to read verses 15 to 18. It says this, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Um, Oftentimes, we can think about idols as being something that existed a long time ago or maybe exist in other nations, but we don't really have them here in the West. We don't really have them in 21st century UK. Um, We don't really have kind of these carved wooden or metal kind of statues or figures in our homes that we, that we bow down to. That seems like a weird thing. It seems like something that, um, yeah, maybe some people do and we're, we're aware that it exists, but it's not really uh, something that we can relate to. But actually, as I've just explained, an idol is just something in our lives that would try and take the place that belongs to God. In a moment, I'm going to list a few idols that are common to our society But just to help you, uh, to give you a bit of a head start, I'm going to play a quick game of fill in the blank, okay? So I'm going to read a sentence with a blank, and what is the first thing that comes into your head? I will be okay just as soon as I get blank. If I had a little bit more blank, then my life would be sorted. I think I could live with the loss of anything except for blank. Life would not be worth living without blank. One of the biggest problems with idols is that they're very often good things. They're very often actually things that we would encourage you to invest time and energy into, uh, or, or very often things that are very helpful in our lives. But the problem comes when we make these good things God things. You may have been able to fill in the blank already, but if not, then let's look at a few common idols that we potentially face. So uh, I'm going to go through the same ones that that Chris talked about in the Ashburnham talk. But as we do, I I want you to take this seriously. There will be a chance to respond at the end of this. And I believe that God wants to bring freedom to a number of people in these areas this morning. And so I want us to listen to these and to check ourselves, check your hearts, check your mind. Is this something that has become too much of a priority in your life? Is this something that has taken the place that actually only God should have in your life? Satan would be perfectly happy this morning for you to sit there this morning and say, yep, that's an idol, yep, so is that, yep, so is that, and then to go home and to do nothing about it. Christ died so that we could be free from the bondage of idolatry and be able to trust him in every area of our life. 
Um, so, who wants to bear fruit for God in their lives? It's a, a question to you guys. Who wants to bear fruit for God in their lives? So who's ready to put to death the idols that would seek to prevent us from being fruitful? We need to be intentional about this. Okay, so the first idol is the idol of comfort. I'll be okay when I get that house, that car. I'll be fine as long as I have those holidays and that leisure time that I so desperately need. As long as I'm comfortable, then I'm okay. No. Let's not place our hope, our confidence in comfort. Comfort would say, as long as you've got me, then you're okay. God would say, no, as long as you've got me, then you're okay. If our hope is in comfort, then when we find ourselves in situations where our comfort is removed for whatever reason, then our lives can fall apart. We can even blame God for a lack of comfort in our lives. Be honest, how many of you sometimes think, I don't really, I don't really need God's help at the moment. I, my life's pretty comfortable. Comfort would seek to take God's place in our lives. It's not a lack of comfort that would stop us from bearing fruit. Often in the Bible, the most fruitful people that we read about are those in the midst of discomfort and of suffering. Comfort isn't a bad thing, but it can, it can take a place. Uh, it can take the place of hope if you let it. Okay, next one, family. Uh, we love our families, and it's right to do so but it's easy to make them an idol. Parents, are there certain places that you wouldn't move to or things that you wouldn't do if God asked you to because of your children? They couldn't go to that school. They wouldn't enjoy life so much if I, if I took that job and I took a pay cut and we didn't have as much money. Who do you trust with the lives of your children? We need to remember that God loves the children more than you do. God loves your children more than you do. And he's better able to lovingly care for them than you are too. We heard earlier about how God's hand of protection was over Samir. That's not something that we're always able to do as, as parents. I'm not a parent, but yeah, we, we can't always be there for our family all the time. And yet God can, and he knows, and he loves your children more than you. Your children are a gift from God but they are not God. So thank God for them and trust him with their lives. If your life and your hope and your peace are entirely wrapped up in your children's lives, then that's a dangerous place to be. Because Jesus wants to set you free from that idolatry. Relationships. If I get someone to marry, then finally I'll be okay. If I have that lifelong partner, then I'll be content. Some here who are not yet married would love to be, and it's not a bad thing to desire at all. But the moment that we start to say, if only I had blank, then I'd be okay, then we're in big trouble if that blank is not God. Sadly, I've seen a number of friends over the years go down foolish paths, and end up in situations that God never intended them to be in because this was an idol in their life. 
They so desperately wanted to be in a relationship. They so desperately wanted that lifelong partner that they make foolish, unwise decisions that lead them to places that they don't really want to be. We are spoon-fed these lies from a young age that relationships will bring ultimate peace and hope and meaning. And they won't. And they can't. Why? Because they're not God. Now, I don't want to give the wrong message here. As a church, we are for marriage. We absolutely love marriage, and we love when people get married. But it can't take the place of God in your life. Tech. There's some overlap here with comfort, but tech and smartphones in particular are quickly becoming a primary addiction in our society. How many of you check your phones as the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? or as the last thing that you do before you go to sleep, or both? Does God's voice end up getting pushed out or drowned out because you're listening to too many other voices on Facebook and YouTube and other sites? Are games taking up more of your time and your focus than you know that they should? Recently, I had to delete a game from my phone. I'm not, <laughs> not ashamed to say that. There was a, a game that I was playing that was taking up too much of my time, was taking up too much of my thought, even when I wasn't playing it. And in the end, I just said, this, I've got to stop. I've got to remove this from my phone because this is just starting to dominate in ways that it shouldn't. Is what you're consuming from your phone and from other tech feeding your soul? Or is it instead demanding that you feed it? Uh, there's, a, there's an expression in our society, FOMO. People know that expression? People heard of that? F-O-M-O is the fear of missing out. And tech as an idol will do that. They'll say, you need to watch the latest YouTube clip because otherwise you'll be the only one that's not watched it. You need, to, you need to watch this latest box set because everyone else is watching it and they know what's going on and you haven't got a clue. You need to be up to date on, on Facebook with people's news or on the BBC Sport to find out what's going on uh, with the latest transfer gossip and all these other things. There's a fear of missing out that if we're not permanently connected, if we're not permanently engaged uh, on our smartphones, then we're going to miss something that everybody else is involved in. Let me give you a word of advice. There is no YouTube clip good enough or important enough that you'll get to the end of your life with regrets that you missed seeing it. Not even Charlie bit my finger. <laughs> there are no box sets that are legitimately medically unmissable. <laughs> It's okay for you to miss them. I give you permission <laughs> as an elder. Some of you, as a response to this talk, are going to need to delete apps from your phone, and you know now that you need to. And if that's you, then I would encourage you to do that today. Don't delay, don't put it off, don't say, oh, I might do that later. If this has become too much of a priority in your life, if these things are starting to draw your focus, your attention away from your loving Heavenly Father who wants to commune with you, who wants to speak to you, don't let it. Let's take this idol seriously. Uh, just a, a quick stat. Last year, we, there was a, a study done that found that on average, we touch our smartphones on average 2,617 times a day. And it's probably more than that now. Don't let the bright screen in your hand take the place of the light of the world. Let's put our phones in their right place. 
A couple of other things. There's acceptance or the need for respect for others taking that place, that idle place in your life. How can I get people to love and accept me? I'll be okay if people just think, think good of me. What about money? I'll be secure if I just have a little bit more than I have now. Once I pay off my mortgage, I'll have enough savings, then I'll be sorted, I'll be okay, I'll be comfortable. <laughs> money will not support and comfort you in your time of need. It can do a number of things, sure, but it can't hold your life. Whatever things in our life try to claim, get me and you will be secure, that's not wisdom. That's the voice of the evil one. Yes, savings are good and stewardship is important, but money, as with other idols, will not give true hope, security, meaning and joy to our lives. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. As I said before, we can only have clean hands and a pure heart because of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect life, not, not making an idol of anything in life, but seeking God at all times, knowing that God is first and foremost in his life. He died a death that we couldn't die to pay a price for our sins that we deserve to pay ourselves. And because of that, because of Jesus Christ, we can come before God and say, I'm clean, I'm pure, I'm righteous. I have clean hands and a pure heart because I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ in my life. Comfort can be nice, but Jesus sends us the ultimate comforter, his Holy Spirit, who is a very real comfort in every situation. Family is important, but what's more valuable is being a part of the family of God that will be eternally, uh, we can be eternally a part of. Relationships can be a wonderful blessing, but none will ever compare with that restored relationship with God that Jesus won for you through his death. He will never leave you or forsake you. He won't let you down like others will. Tech can be very useful, but it doesn't compare to our ability to communicate with our, with our fully uh, all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful Heavenly Father. God desires the very best for our lives. He wants us to bear much fruit. And we can do that only in Jesus and in the power of his Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray and ask for his help right now. If you, if you want to, to respond to any of those challenges, if you know that any of those things have become idols in your life, and you want to, this morning, just say, God, I want to give this over to you. I, I don't want this to be number one in my life, and I know that it's become that, then please do come to the front. I'll be a prayer ministry team available to pray with you. Um, I'm going to pray for us all now.